What's up, young adults? How we doing? You guys good? Ready for a good night? Welcome to Young Adults. It's good to have you here. Um, before we get going, any, are you guys, what are you guys dressed as? Pikachus? Give it up for the Pikachus right here in the front row. Respect. Heading your way right now. Before we go any further, um, I just wanted to say thank you to all of you. I'm so grateful for you, so grateful every single time I get to speak about God from this platform, and I do not take it lightly. I am so very passionate about this generation and this season of life that every single one of us is in because honestly, it's a season of life where literally anything can happen and anything could be on the horizon for you at any moment because whether you know this or not, with God, you have a purpose and you have a future that you should be looking forward to. You have a very high and powerful calling. You have good days ahead. Whether you believe it or not, I want you to know that. I want you to know it because here's what's been happening in this room is for a while now, something has been stirring and brewing. I don't know if you've been feeling it, but something has been stirring in this place that is slowly beginning to turn into this group of people becoming an unstoppable force that has some serious potential to leave a mark on this city, on this world in the name of Jesus Christ. That's what's been happening. We've been seeing it every single week, and I'm just grateful that I get to be a part of it. I don't take it for granted. Every time I get to preach, I don't take this lightly. I want you to know that I lose sleep every single night talking to God, trying to come up with new things, new ways to explain things to you, new ways to challenge you and make you laugh at my jokes, so important to me, and stuff like that. And it's worth every single minute of lost sleep. I want you to know that. So thank you for letting me do this. Thank you also for coming hungry every single week. Every single week, you guys show up here hungry and expectant and ready to encounter the living God. And I believe that's a big part of the reason for why we seem to encounter the living God every single Thursday in this place, because you are expectant. So keep that up. And let me just challenge you with this right off the bat. When it comes to your life, God will do as much or as little as you expect him to do, okay? Every time he heaven touches earth, it does so through the delivery system of faith. And so if you're not observing God at work in your life, I would ask you to ask yourself, do you expect to see God at work in your life? Because according to Hebrews chapter 11, without faith, without expectancy, it is impossible to please God. But on the flip side of that, with faith, with expectancy, man, Jesus promises us that you will see the glories of God in your life. And so continue to get your expectancy up. I, sh I hope that you guys showed up expectant tonight because we're about to finish off this series in a fun way. This has been a good series. You guys enjoyed it so far? It's been good? In case you haven't been here, I'll just fill you in. We're on the fifth and final night of our relationship series entitled, I Think I Want to Marry You. And uh, it's been fun. It's also been... Um, Pretty intense, a pretty intense series in the best way ever. It's been sobering with a lot of good truth because marriages are powerful and they have the ability either to, to bring you so much life and be such a blessing for the world or they can bring so much damage depending on how we handle them. And so that's why we wanna take it seriously in here because this is the season of life. This is the decade of life that we find it in. And so if you've missed any of it in this series, I just want to point you online. I want to encourage you to go back and get caught up on anything that you missed. But tonight, I wanted to finish off this series. Of course, we're going to get real like we do every single night, but I wanted to have a little bit of fun tonight. And so if you're taking notes, the message of tonight is called, or the title of tonight's message, I don't know why I said that, is called 14 Signs That You Might Be Ready to Get Married. 
Let's do that. 14 signs you might be ready to get married. You ask why 14? Because that was how many I could fit into a 35 minute message. I'm sure there's hundreds of reasons out there. This is just a few tonight and a quick disclaimer up front before we go any further. You probably guessed this, I'm not a marriage expert. I'm not the final say, obviously, on whether or not you're ready to get married, okay? This is not one of those Cosmo magazine tests, like, are you ready to get married? 14 signs you might be an awful husband one day. This is not one of those. This is not that. I'm not a marriage counselor. All my cards on the table right now, I'm 28 years old. I've been married for two and a half years, and while I feel like God has taught me a lot in the last two and a half years, I understand that there's a lot that I don't know, okay? I understand that, but I'm also very blessed and very fortunate to have people in my life, older men and women, who do know because they've been there for a long time, Men and women who have marriages that me and my wife hope to emulate one day, that we want to have one day in the future. Men and women who have made mistakes and learned lessons the hard way so that we don't have to. People that I love, people that I care about so much. And so tonight, tonight, man, is just a big, a big conglomeration of not just what God has been teaching me, but of all the most helpful and wisest pieces of advice I have ever heard from anybody regarding marriage. And so it's a good night to take notes and also, also God's opinion on it, by the way, because uh, he invented it. And everything that we're gonna say tonight lines up with the scriptures, lines up with the Bible. God is in himself love and God is also infinity years old. And so he knows what he's talking about. And so we should listen to him when it comes to something like marriage because every word on the Bible that's on your lap is inspired by him. It will change your life every single time you read it. So tonight is not a night of my opinions. Tonight, this is straight godly wisdom and 14 signs that you might be ready to get married. So you ready? Should we do this? 14 signs. Number one. It's kind of funny already. You might be ready to get married if you understand you'll never truly be ready to get married. Now, when you follow Jesus, and there's a big difference between following Jesus and believing in Jesus, I hope you know that. And when you follow him, he will continually lead you into new commitments, new chapters, new seasons of your life that you are not ready for. And I believe with all my heart that marriage is one of them, which is why you'll see over and over again in the Bible, God calling imperfect men and women into new seasons of their lives that they are not ready for to change the world in a way that they could not do without God. That's why 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse nine says this, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Not your strengths, but in your weaknesses, in the moments where you don't stand a chance if God doesn't come through. His grace is sufficient for you. The times when you are desperate for him are the times when he shows up. His power, his presence is exactly what you get when you understand that you need it, all right? So you might already, you might be ready to get married if you know that his power is made perfect in your weaknesses and that his grace is sufficient for your marriage and always will be because spoiler alert right up front, your marriage one day is not going to be perfect and it will be challenging and anybody who disagrees with that is either not married or has only been married for a little bit of time. But everybody else, God included, would weigh in on the fact that marriage is challenging. You will have the hard seasons with the good. You will have the poor with the rich. You will have the sickness with the health. You will have the disagreement agreements with the agreements. You will have the worse with the better. And when those seasons come, 
Relying on yourself is not going to do the trick. In those kind of moments, what you're gonna need to know, you're gonna need to know the living God and his eternal strength and his unbreakable love and the hope that is waiting for us in eternity because you're strong, I'll give you that, but on your own when it comes to life, when it comes to marriage, you don't have what it takes and you were never meant to have what it takes. That's what makes Jesus so beautiful is that suddenly with him, you do. Suddenly with him by your side, you're ready for just about anything. You might be ready to get married if you understand you'll never fully be ready on your own because then and only then will you lean to God before your own understanding and then and only then will you understand that what you're not, he is, and when you can't, he can. And that right there is the game changer from day one. You might be ready to get married if you understand that on your own, you'll never fully be ready for it. But with Jesus, you are. Number two. You might be ready to get married if you're looking for a number two, not a number one. Now, I promise you, everything about life is just going to work for you so much better if God is your number one, and then one day your spouse is your number two, because this is how marriage was designed to work. God's first commandment, after all, is not love your wife or love your husband with all your mind, soul, and body and strength, it was what? What Jesus said, love him. This is the first and greatest commandment, Matthew chapter 24, I'm sorry, 22, verse 37 through 38. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first. This is numero uno. This is the greatest commandment. He gets the number one position in your heart, which means that if you have a person or a thing or a job or a dream, currently occupying the number one position in your heart where God is supposed to be, that means that you are idolizing that person, that thing, that job, or that dream. And it's not, it's not gonna go well for you. It never does for anybody. I'll give you an example. Like, ladies, if you let a man, if you give a man the number one position in your heart, if he's got the number one spot, you will start by idolizing him and it will slowly turn to you beginning to demonize little things about him. What you used to love, you'll, you'll, you'll now begin to hate. Like you'll spend the whole first year of marriage thinking like, oh my gosh, he's so funny. He's so funny. He makes me laugh all the time. Everywhere we go, he's just the life of the party. And he, he makes me like, like his humor, his jokes, it just gets me. He's so, and then by, by year number two, you're like, why can't you ever be serious about anything ever? Don't you ever shut up. Or... The whole, oh, he's so chill, he's so laid back, and it, it chills me out, it calms me down. Honestly, that's what I need. And then by, by year number two, you are so freaking lazy, do something. <laughs> Worry about something. You're so calm, it's stressing me out, right? <laughs> what happened? What you once idolized, you now begin to demonize. What you once loved and admired, you now start to hate and not be able to stand. Why? Because you got the order wrong. You placed an imperfect person who was supposed to occupy your number two spot into the number one spot where a perfect God is supposed to be. Or you placed yourself into the number one spot, into the throne of your own heart instead of God. And it never goes well. When you get things, this is a divine order. And when you get it out of order, things just fall apart. It'll create a void in your heart that you'll try to replace with a bunch of other substitutes. So wealth, power, respect, pleasure, marriage, whatever it is. But what you are really after, what you're truly after is intimacy with God, is what you really want. You want him to be on the throne of your heart. You want him occupying 
that number one spot. This is why if God is all you have, you truly have everything that you need. When God is number one, things are so much more fun in marriage, I promise you. You might be ready to get married if you're looking for a number two, not a number one. Number three, you might be ready to get married if you're ready to surrender your bathroom, closet, and sweatpants. So guys, guys, I'm pretty much talking, this is my heart straight to you. I don't have a Bible verse to back any of this stuff up. I just want to, I just want to talk to you for a little bit. She's going to come into your bathroom and girlify it. That's what she's got. You want to know what I own in our very full bathroom? I have an Old Spice 3-in-1 shampoo, conditioner, body wash thing that I got for $5.99 at Target that will probably last me up until April of 2017. I have that and I have a toothbrush. Everything else belongs to my wife. Stuff that I've, I have no idea what it is. I have no idea what it's called. I have no idea what it does. And quite frankly, it intimidates me to ask. It kind of scares me a little bit. She's going to girlify your bathroom. The walk-in closet that's in our bedroom is completely my wife's closet. The little tiny closet in the guest room on the other side of our condo, that's my closet, okay? I love you, babe. And here's the thing, I'm completely okay with it. And if you're not okay with it, you don't need a wife right now. You really don't. Lay down the closet. Marriage will be so much better. Just give her the closet, man. You'll be a hero. Don't you want to be a hero? Isn't that what you want? <laughs> she will commandeer your sweatpants because my wife receives love through stealing my baggy sweatpants and wearing them because she feels, quote unquote, snuggly. Okay? And so I say, babe, it's fine because I'm just that good at being a husband. I say, babe, it's fine. Because really what I know is that, okay, now I can go get brand new sweatpants, some dry fit ones from the Nike outlet. Can I get an amen from anybody? Because that's how I receive love. It's through anything dry fit. Star number three, that's the most important one. Number four, you might be ready to get married if you know that Jerry Maguire was wrong. You guys remember the movie Jerry Maguire? You remember the final scene where Tom Cruise walks into the house full of women who are having a we hate men party? And he walks up to his girl and he says, baby, the world, the world is so crazy. The world is so crazy, but you, you complete me. Remember that line? And she goes, shut up, just shut up. And he's like, he's like, what? Like he starts crying and she goes, you had me at hello. You had me at hello, Tom. And then they kiss. It's a big epic kiss. And it scams every single girl and emotional guy in the theater watching it. Why? Not because it's, not because it's a bad movie. It's a great movie. And not because I didn't cry. But because there is no human being on this planet that has the ability to complete you. There's people that will compliment you in great ways, but only God can complete you. I know so many people who just do not know how to be single. Break up with somebody and just a few weeks later they're in another relationship, another relationship because you don't feel whole or complete until you meet a new man or a new woman who can make you feel whole and complete, but only for a few weeks or a few months until the hype is gone and you realize once again that you are still empty. And so relationships for you are not about 
wanting to give something or build something. Relationships are about needing something and taking something because you're not happy on your own, which just points to the fact that you're not content with just God. And as long as that is your posture, you will burden every single human being that you come into a relationship with because you will put an expectation on them to do for you what only God can do for you, which is to complete you. And so what's the message behind that, behind the message? It's find your completion now and marriage will be so much more fun. Seriously, almost as if, and I said this a few weeks ago, the less that you need marriage, the more that you're ready for it. And I stand by that. A few years ago, Sean taught this using the woman at the well. You remember her story? I think it's John chapter four. And this woman, she's not a bad person. She was just broken and empty, trying to do everything that she could to find love and acceptance by men. Because deep down somewhere in here, she believed that Jerry Maguire was right. And she'd go from marriage to marriage, guy to guy, just hoping that one of them was going to do the trick, thinking, surely there's some guy out there that's going to be able to complete me. And time and time again, she came up empty until one afternoon when she rendezvoused with Jesus at the well in her little town. And this is what Jesus told her. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. You're trying to find completion in all these different men, and you will find it for a small period of time and then you're gonna be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So guys, she will never complete you. Ladies, he will never complete you. Your desire for completion is not wrong, you just might be looking for it in all the wrong places. And if you bring an incompleteness that you're expecting your spouse to fill in marriage, you once again will suffocate that marriage by burdening that person to do something they have no power to do. Nobody has the power to complete you. And if down here somewhere you still think that Jerry Maguire was right, you're going to get married. And then when things don't go perfect, you're going to be tempted to think that maybe you married the wrong person and that maybe there's somebody still out there who can a little bit more perfectly complete you. And you're going to jump from marriage to marriage like the woman at the well, from relationship to relationship, chasing the wind, coming up empty every single time until one day, and I hope and pray you rendezvous with Jesus and realize the thing that you've been looking for has been right in front of your face the entire time. I just pray you realize that tonight instead of after marriage two or marriage three. Realize it tonight. Think about it this way. When you're looking for a man or a woman to complete you, what are you doing when you show up to a relationship? You're taking. You need something. But if you let God do what only he can do for you and give you that completion first, then you show up to a relationship and now you have something to give. You have something to offer. You have an ability to build something because the pressure is off of you now. The pressure is off of your spouse and onto God because he can handle that kind of pressure. And now you're free. You're freed up to love that person for who they are. And they're freed up to love you for who, who, who you are. And now you get the best company in the world to walk through life with as you chase after each other's number one. Right? Does that make sense? You might be ready to get married if you know that Jerry was wrong. He was full of it. Great movie, but he was full of it. Number five, you might be ready to get married if it's been a few years and you're still not willing to settle. So once upon a time, you wanted a man who would live and die by the cross of Jesus Christ. 
And now because it's been a few years or a few weeks and you're tired of waiting because you're lonely, you'll settle for a guy that has a tattoo of a cross. (laughs) And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with tattoos, they're great. But having a tattoo of a cross, going to church, saying he believes in God, saying she believes in God, being into nonprofits, loving orphans, loving puppies. Those things are all good, but none of those things make you a godly man or a godly woman. Loving Jesus makes you a godly man or a godly woman. And settling for good. You can share if you want, guys. Come on, let's go. <laughs> Loving Jesus is what makes them godly and what makes you godly. And settling for okay or even good And forfeiting God's best for you is a horrible trade. I heard Matt Chandler say this, like, ladies, your temporary loneliness now is monumentally better than your permanent loneliness in the same house with a man who lost all desire to pursue you the moment you said, I do to him. Any guy can pursue you to get you to like him. Any guy will continue that pursuit to get you to marry him. Only a man of the cross will continue to pursue you like you're 25 when you're 65. Like that? I thought that was good too. (laughs) Guys, any girl, any girl can admire you and love you and give you the googly eyes, bat her eyelashes at you when things are good in the honeymoon phase, in the first year of marriage. But two years in, five years in, 40 years in, only a woman of the cross will admire you, respect you, and follow you like she does on the mountaintop when it's time to walk through the valley of the shadow of the death. Only a woman of the cross will do that. And so do not compromise. Do not settle for good because you're tired of waiting for his best. Horrible trade. You might be ready to get married if it's been a few years and you're still not willing to settle. All right, we got to go fast. Let's do these lightning round right here. Number six, you might be ready to get married if you have a job. Self-explanatory. Number seven, you might be ready to get married if you don't want to change your partner. People are not projects and you are not the Holy Spirit. And our job is not to change our spouses. Our job is to let God be God and to speak life into them, to draw out their potential, to draw out their best by becoming experts, not in their weaknesses and what they need to change, but by becoming experts in their strengths. You might be ready for marriage if you don't want to change your partner. Number eight, you might be ready to get married if you're a guy and all of a sudden babies are like the cutest thing in the world. You're like, where did that come from? (laughs) Number nine, You might be ready to get married when you start feeling like your cool bachelor pad is actually pretty disgusting. Might be time. Number 10, you might be ready to get married if you don't make a big deal out of the little issues. Sounds small, but it's not. One of the, this is funny, but one of the best pieces of advice my wife and I ever got Somebody told us, hey, if one of you squeezes the tube of toothpaste from the bottom and one of you squeezes it from the middle, you could either let that turn into something bigger than it is and start a fight over it, or you could just get two tubes of toothpaste. Problem solved. So you're either fighting about it or you're figuring out a solution. So really what that is, is can you work through things? Can you disagree 
in the right way because unnecessary drama, emotions, and a short fuse are ingredients that will make marriage miserable for you and your spouse. And the funny thing is, all of those things are things that you can control if you really try. Practice controlling them now. Practice keeping the little issues little issues. Number 11, you might be ready to get married if you love doing dishes. And serving is all I mean by this. You might be ready to get married if you can serve without expecting anything in return. I'll take it to the next level. If you can not only love it, but find joy in serving without expecting anything in return. So guys in this room, if the only time you ever volunteered or signed up to serve was that time that you signed up to help out at the women's conference, you might be in a little bit of a shock when you get married because marriage is serving. At least according to Jesus, we are called to lay down our lives for our spouses, especially men. That's what Paul charges us with in Ephesians chapter five. He says, love your spouse, love your wife the way that Christ loved the church. And by the way, how did he do that? By being crucified, by laying down his life for the church. And so if you're looking for something to write down, write this down. You will get out of your marriage what you put into your marriage. You will get out of it what you put into it. And if you find yourself not getting what you want or what you need out of it, it is always because you are not sowing enough into it. Always. Marriage works best when you can find joy in the sowing. Marriage works best when you can love serving. Marriage works best when I'm grateful that God has given me a wife to do dishes for. Marriage works best when you are grateful that you have somebody that you can lay your life down for, you might be ready to get married if you love doing the dishes. Number 12, you might not like this one. You might be ready for marriage if you're ready for the fast lane to sanctification. Like, are you ready to find out how selfish you really are? Get married. Are you ready for me to become we? And I know it's really romantic to think about coming, becoming we, but keep in mind that means you are not, nor will you ever be again, a me. And if you're not ready for that, you're not ready for marriage. When you put two sinful, broken people under the same roof as each other, brokenness will come to the surface. Your, your ugliness is going to come out, and your brokenness will probably frustrate your spouse a little bit, and, the, and your spouse's brokenness will probably frustrate you a little bit, which is why God designed marriage as a covenant, not a contract, and challenges or commands us to love our spouses the same way he loves us, which is unconditionally with the kind of love that says, I'm not going anywhere. All my chips are in for the rest of my life. I am yours forever. I am no, there's no exit doors in our future. There's no exit doors in our future. I've seen the good. I've seen our wedding day. I've seen the bad. And I am not going anywhere because I understand that love is a decision way before it's a feeling. And I will live out this marriage by what is true, not by what I feel. And what is true is that I have vowed to you regardless of how I feel today or this year. Because that kind of love creates a safe environment for sanctification to take place. Like men, when you try to love your wife and lay down your life for her the way that Christ loves the church and she doesn't respond the way you want, to re you, the way you want her to respond, well now you get a tiny taste of what God feels like every single day. 
and it drives you into a deeper understanding of the gospel and makes you more like Jesus. Ladies in this room, when you try to love your husband and respect him and he doesn't notice or reciprocate it like you want, or when you disagree on something, or when all the flaws and ugliness that you hid so well while you were dating now inevitably come to the surface because you're married, that's when God can use the covenant of marriage to uproot the bad weeds and plant seeds that will yield the fruit of the spirit in your life because God uses marriage as a tool for sanctification because he cares about your happiness, absolutely, but he's far more interested in your joy because put those two things up next to each other, happiness is cheap next to joy because joy will survive any kind of season that you face. God is far more interested in your joy than your happiness and far more interested in seeing you become more and more like his son every single day than he is in making you happy. That's something you won't, by the way, hear in any jewelry commercial that you ever listen to. He went to Jared. He went to Jared. And now God's using him to crucify my flesh. Thank you, God. <laughs> now God's using him to reveal to me just how selfish I am. I love you, Father. You'll never see that in any jewelry commercial. And sanctification like puts a bad taste in our mouths um, because usually it involves a certain level of pain, but understand only because Jesus has so much more for you and he's trying to set you free from you. And I promise you that's the best thing ever, to be set free from you. You might be ready to get married if you are ready for the fast lane to sanctification. Number 13, we got two more. And Ben, you guys can go ahead and make your way back to the stage at this time. You might be ready to get married if you're becoming the right person rather than waiting for the right person. If you're becoming the right person rather than waiting for the right person. Do your planning and prepare. This is Proverbs 24, seven. Prepare your fields before building your house. You prepare before you build the house. So take all of the energy that you're putting into waiting for that dream spouse all the energy you put into longing for it and dreaming about it, all the energy you put into writing your first name with his last name in your journal over and over, just to see what it looks like in your handwriting. <laughs> Take all of that energy that you're putting into waiting and put it into becoming the right person. Become the person that the person you're looking for is looking for. I think that's Andy Stanley or something. Become the person the person you're looking for is looking for. Because if you can become that person, you will find the right person. And in doing so, you will bypass a lot of pain, regret, and wasted time. That's unnecessary. Because there's nobody who wants to bless you more in this specific area of your life than your, than your heavenly father. I promise you, he wants to bless you in this area. He has so much more in store for you than you could ever know but it takes a certain amount of trust on your part to say to him, God, not my timing, but yours. Not my way, but yours. Not my best, God, but your best because he's got this, okay? And I'm not saying there's like a certain level of spiritual maturity he's waiting for you to reach before he brings somebody along in your life. I, I'm not God. I don't know if he does that in your life or not. I can't answer that question, but I gotta think he likes to know that you want him more than you want a spouse. I gotta think. He likes to know that you want him more than you want 
a spouse. And now you're, you're designed to get married and it's good to want it. What does the Bible say? It's not good for men to be alone. It's a good thing to want to get married. Anybody who would tell you, no, it's not a good thing. You shouldn't want it. They're biblically ignorant and have no idea what they're talking about. You should want to get married. That is a good, good thing. But wisdom is imploring you to stop putting all of your effort into waiting for somebody, into finding somebody. Take all of that effort and put it into becoming the right person. Become the person that the person you're looking for is looking for. Because if you find the person you're looking for before you become the person that the person you're looking for is looking for, you'll probably ruin it. You might be ready to get married if you're becoming the right person rather than simply just waiting for the right person. And number 14, last but not least, you might be ready to get married if God is the direction that both of you are heading. If God is the direction that, bo that both of you are heading. I mean, this is just logic right here that if you're both heading in different directions, trying to get to different destinations, you can't drive in the same car as each other. It's not my opinion, it's just reason. If you're both heading in two different ways, you can't drive together. It's not gonna go well. And, and I, wanna, I wanna get this across, you guys, to finish up this series. Marriage is so awesome. Marriage is amazing. It truly is, it's amazing. Now, we take it seriously as you can tell with this series, we've been taking it very seriously because if you enter into marriage with the wrong expectations of what it is, expecting the wrong things from it, it's going to hurt you and you could possibly really hurt somebody else and you could ruin a chance to be one of God's ultimate lighthouses for his love to the rest of the world. But even if it takes hearing some sobering truth if we can get the right picture of what marriage is and what it's not, if we can get the right expectations for what it's going to give to us and what we need to give to it, then you have no idea how amazing it can be to walk through your life with somebody by your side that you care about that much, no matter what kind of season of life you go through, no matter what storms come your way. But it takes the right view of what marriage is. If God is the direction that you're heading, I promise you, you will genuinely experience life living with one of your best friends at your side. I don't say this lightly, um, but the past two and a half years, although they have been challenging because marriage has been new and foreign territory for me and my wife, they have been the best two and a half years of my life so far. And I can say that with 100% authenticity up here. The best two years of my life, even with the challenges, because we had people who loved us enough to speak truth into our lives, to give us a correct picture of what marriage is before we took the vows. When Sam and I were dating each other, so this was a few years ago, um, we were apart from each other for an entire year. She was graduating college and I was doing mission work and all we had were emails and stuff like that. And during that, we did the long distance thing, which, which, which sucks, it does. Anybody doing long distance right now? So I feel your pain. Long distance is in the same crappy category as the Oakland Raiders, right? It's just not fun. 
But I learned a very, a very valuable lesson in that year apart. So did she, and here's what it is. And this is going to be cheesy, okay? And so I'm hoping that by admitting that it's cheesy up front, it will, it will make it less cheesy, okay? So I'll do this, I'll do this for the camera, but it's something called the, the triangle theory. If you don't know what it is, I'm about to teach it to you. So here's a triangle, an equilateral triangle, 60 degree angles, the base parallel to the ground. Mine students, I'm getting that right, all the numbers. Strongest, structurally the strongest shape. It's a fact, I think. <laughs> so here it is. So this corner down here is me. This corner down here is Sam. And this corner up here is God. And because of our physical distance apart, we had no ability to run towards each other right here, right? No ability to pursue each other along this line. But what we did have the ability to do was I had the ability to pursue God this way and she had the ability to pursue God this way. And you'll notice that as both of us get closer to God, we both get closer to each other. Everybody say, aww, that's so romantic. And you're right, you'd be right. So find somebody cute in your row and say, hey, you wanna theorize about triangles later? Got some theories. This is why the best thing that you can do for somebody that you love is for you yourself to go and spend time with your heavenly father. Here's a Francis Chan quote. If we don't stare at God, we'll spend time staring at lesser things, namely ourselves. Because when your mission is just about each other, marriage is boring. When your mission is just pursuing along these lines, your focus becomes each other and you're completely missing out on your purpose, on your calling, on your mission. But when God is the mission, when God is the direction and you both pursue after him together, you will find yourselves caught up in a greater story, a more beautiful story than your own marriage together. As you both draw closer to him, you will both draw closer to each other as you play out this marriage thing the way it was designed to play out. When two people are right with God, they will be right with each other. This is the picture. This is the dream. This is the vision. This is so very possible. And this is why we take five weeks to talk about this topic because it's a big deal. Marriages are a big deal. Marriage is fun. Marriage is beautiful. Marriage is a lighthouse for God to display his love to a dark and lost and dying world. Marriage is challenging and makes you more like Jesus. And marriage is very, very powerful. And that is why we take it seriously in here. Because I'm praying that by 2020, the divorce rate is cut in half. I know that's a big prayer, but I'm sticking with it. I'm circling that and I believe God can do anything. So I'm gonna pray for that. I'm praying that I get to see couples who rather than live like they're being backed into a corner, will put on the armor of God and play some offense and take some ground for the kingdom, both heading in God's direction together. I wanna see selflessness. I wanna see people who are experts in each other's strengths, not weaknesses. 
I wanna see couples who are good at not making a big deal out of the little things and enjoy life together. Husbands and wives who are still pursuing each other like they're 25, when they're 65, 40 years from now. I wanna see husbands and wives who are truly a living representation of God's relationship with us, but it will not be without pain. It will not be without a challenge. It will not be without a cost, but that does not mean that something is wrong or something is off. Nothing worth having comes without sacrifice. And nothing beautiful comes without a fight. And so the ball is now in your court, young adult. Will this series just be one of those series that you got fired up about, that united your head in agreement on Thursday nights, and that's it? Or will this be a series that sparks a fight in you to not let yourself settle for anything less than God's best for you? to trust that when it comes to marriage, love, sex, romance, intimacy, his plan is better than the world's plan for your life. Do you believe that? Can you live like that? Marriage is so much more fun when you do it God's way, man. I promise you. I said this a couple weeks ago, millions of people will continue to do it the world's way. Millions of people are miserable in their marriages and splitting up. But it starts with a few to do marriage God's way, which is harder, which is more challenging, but you're up for it because Jesus will be with you every step of the way. The ball is in your court. And I pray that collectively we feel ownership over the statistics of divorce and marriage that we are gonna leave to our kids, not many years from now. Feel the ownership. Let's collectively pray and call out to God on behalf of our generation as a group of adults in Denver who have so much potential to leave a big impact on this world in the name of Jesus Christ, amen? All right, would you guys stand with me really quick? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for my friends in this room. God, I pray that you would take everything that's been taught in this relationship series, everything, God, that I know has been from you, that you've wanted all of us to hear. Seal it in our hearts and seal it in our minds. Let us never forget. Let us take this seriously. Let us want more than good. Let us want more than fine. Your desire for us is more than fine. Your way is better than our way. And right now, we just humbly come before you and say that we know it is. We know your way is better. Teach us to live in your way through the good seasons and the bad. Teach us to be good husbands and good wives and one day good moms and good dads. We love you so much and pray all of these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's worship you guys.